0: Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life.
1: As we come here and we think about the significance of this day, that this is Palm Sunday, the day that we celebrate that some 2,000 years ago The anointed one, Jesus himself, rode into Jerusalem this public exaltation that Jesus is the king. That for thousands of years, the nation of Israel had been waiting for this promised one. The nation of Israel had been waiting for the Messiah that would come. There's a lot of misconceptions. What would the Messiah look like and what would the Messiah do? There's a lot of people that honestly totally missed it. They thought, man, he's going to be this political leader He's going to sit on this earthly throne. He's finally going to make all things that's been wrong with us. He's finally going to make it right. And so on that day when Jesus rode into town, there's a lot of misconceptions as they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And I think in our generation, there's, there's just as much, if not more, misconceptions. I mean, we live in this unique time in history where marketing has put the bullseye on our lives and marketing has taught us that the world revolves around us and so honestly all the time there's all this marketing that surrounds us that makes us think that we ought to have whatever we want and we ought to have it when we want it we you know everything ought to make us happy I mean how else can you explain all the ads that are like man if you buy this thing your life's going to be different Hey, if you pay, this, pay for this product, your life's going to be great. If you take this one pill, you're going to drop a lot of weight. You're going to look better. And all this stuff, right, all this stuff. And it makes us buy into we ought to have what we want, when we want it, without any work. And that just doesn't translate into God's world. See, a lot of times, man, especially around Easter, there's this sense that the rest of the year we've been living for ourselves. Right, the rest of the year, we act like it all revolves around us, and then when Easter shows up, if we're not careful, we'll just show up for a service, and we'll think, all right, I can live however I want to the rest of the year, and then in this one hour, and this one moment, everything's going to be different. We have this consumer mentality when it comes to the gospel. If we're not careful, we'll ask of the gospel, well, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it? Am I going to feel better about myself? Am I going to have a lot of success if I say yes to Jesus? Are all my problems going to go away? Well, this Easter week, we want something more than that. This Easter week, we're believing that the thing that changes anybody's life is not a quick fix. It's not a pill. It's not just this one sort of, hey, give us money and, and all of life's going to be great. The thing that changes everything really is the gospel. And the gospel never starts working on us from the outside in. It's never this external quick fix, look different on the outside, and eventually it changes us on the inside. No, the gospel always starts on the inside. The gospel always starts with our heart. The gospel always goes to work. It performs surgery, this open heart surgery, to take what's really wrong and to bring a solution. So this Easter, this Easter week, we're inviting all of us together to experience the gospel. The gospel has essentially three parts. The gospel is all about the crucifixion, that Jesus died on the cross. The gospel is all about the resurrection that Jesus beat death. And the gospel is all about the ascension that Jesus returned to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. So as we get started today, I want us just to think about that first part, the crucifixion. See what happens a lot of times if we're not careful with this consumer mentality, we'll try to earn our way into the presence of God. We'll try to outperform the people around us. We'll try to clean up our act out of our own strength. But if anybody could have done that, it was a guy named Paul. In the New Testament, Paul's probably one of the most famous Christians that's ever lived. And Paul, before the cross, before the gospel, before the life change that happened, his confidence was in his own performance. In fact, listen to some of what he wrote in Philippians chapter 3. He says in verse 3, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised, the ones that are truly set apart. He says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Paul's saying, if anybody could earn their way into the presence of God, he's saying, I could have. Listen why. In verse 5, he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. In other words, he followed the tradition. He's like, when I was eight days old, my parents did the thing that they were supposed to do. He says, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Again, he's saying, if anybody could boast, it's me. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was born from the right people group. I'm an Israelite. Not only was I born of the right people, I was born from the right tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. This is the the first tribe that, that got to go into the promised land. He's saying, man, I got this covered. Listen to what he goes on to say. He says, I was a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I mean, he goes on to say, man, I'm the guy. I've got it together. I was a Pharisee. I was part of the people that were religious rule keepers. In fact, what the Pharisees did is originally they went through the entire Old Testament and they came up with 613 laws. They're like, we don't want to break any rules. And so they started combing between the lines of Scripture. And by the end, they came up with over 1,500 rules, 1,500 codes. And they're like, man, we're going to obey all of these things so that we get to be in the presence of God. And I think sometimes we have that same mentality. We think, well, if I clean up my act... I try harder, maybe if I give a little bit more, maybe you grew up in a religious home where you thought, man, if I attend church a certain number of times of years or if I take part of certain activities within the church. In a lot of us, there's this performance mentality that maybe, just maybe, I could earn my way into peace. Maybe I could earn my way into the presence of God. But what Paul learned was this huge lesson that oftentimes it's our personal performance that prevents us from getting into God's presence. Oftentimes it's us trying so hard out of our own strength, out of our own ability, that keeps us from experiencing the true meaning of Easter. See, here's what Paul says in verse seven. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. All of these rule keeping, being circumcised on the right day, being from the right church. I once thought these were valuable, but now, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He's saying in the big picture, none of that stuff matters. He goes on to say in verse 8, Everything else is worthless when it's compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else. I've counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ, so that I could become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I've become righteous through faith. Faith in Christ. For God's ways of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Paul came to the end of himself. He came to the end of trying to earn it himself. And for Paul, he recognized my performance can't do it. My behavior can't do it. My confidence is no longer in myself. My confidence is in Christ. And so today, as we begin this service, as we begin this holy week, would you come to this moment where you begin to say, I can't, but I know that Jesus can. I know that I don't have the strength myself. I can't earn it. But I know that Jesus paid the price on the cross. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Let's pray. And this morning, would you just thank Jesus for the price he paid on the cross? Would you thank him that he became this sin magnet of the world, taking my sin, your sins, the sins of the world, and paying the price when he died on that cross? Today, would you ask him, God, would you help me to put my confidence in you? Everything we've done without Christ is loss. The only thing that matters is his price they paid. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his death on the cross. Thank you that we don't have to earn it, that we don't have to try harder, we don't have to try to do better. Thank you that all we need to do is to surrender to you. Help us to live in a posture of surrender today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.
0: Father, Creator, you hold our hearts together. There's no one higher than you. Redeemer, Defender, our great and mighty Savior, there's no one higher than you. You were always with us gracious to forgive us, and by your power we've been set free, and Lord we stand amazed in your presence, astounded by your mercy and love, our hands are lifted high and surrender. Your grace for me is always enough There is no one higher than our God There is no one greater than you Let my life forever praise the glory of your name And my life forever. Pray- There is no one higher.
2: The crucifixion produces confidence. The resurrection produces reason. It gives us reason to live. Paul said in verse 10, I want to know Christ and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. See, before coming to know Christ, Paul's purpose and his value and his identity was wrapped up in respect to keeping the law, towing the line, getting everything just right. It was this performance-based life that he was living. And in fact, he was so into this, he was so committed to this, he killed anyone that didn't get in line with his game plan. But see, when Paul met Jesus everything changed once he met Christ he realized that Jesus not only died on the cross to deal with his sin and his guilt and his shame but Jesus died so that he could have life and so that he could have freedom this gave Paul a new identity it gave Paul a new reason to live and it also gives us reason to live today. See, our, our reason is not to, to make up for our past, for that, that was settled on the cross. Our reason to live is not to prove that we're good enough for God to love. That, that was taken away when Jesus died while we were still sinners. See, our reason and our purpose on this earth is to know Him. And Paul's whole deal was that he wanted to be conformed to the resurrection of Jesus. He wanted the life of Christ to be built up to him. He said in Galatians chapter 2, he said, my old self has been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Paul experienced the power of Easter. And at some time in our life, we must experience Easter too. Not a day, not a moment where we get dressed up and we get the family together and we take pictures and we make sure we're to church on time that day. But we must experience the power of Easter, the power of the resurrection in our lives. What I mean is this, we all in our lives must identify with the death of Jesus on the cross. But we also must identify with his resurrection and being raised to walk in a new life that is defined by life in Jesus. Spiritually, we must experience a resurrection. See, a resurrection, the resurrection, is what gives us reason to live. In these verses, Paul's not being cocky. He's not fronting. He's not pretending like, all his life was somehow changed. He really was changed. When he experienced Jesus, everything about his identity and purpose and reason to live was changed in a moment. He set aside this performance mentality. He realized that Jesus is not into keeping rules. Jesus is into giving life and that life is found in relationship with him. He was set free from this mentality that so many of us experience today, this mentality of what if I fail? Okay, what, what if I do what you're saying and, I, and I, I bring my sin and my guilt and my shame and I bring it to Jesus and I identify with him and his death and, and I say I want to experience a spiritual resurrection in my life, but, but what if I mess up? What if I fail? Please don't miss this your failures my failures they were taken care of on the cross and Paul's saying here I'm not living to make up for the past or undo anything I've done his reason for living is to know Christ some of us sometimes still try to pay off the past and, and we forget that Jesus says that he came to give life and life abundantly he came not just to give us eternal life one day, but abundant life today. I'm reminded of when Jesus was told that his good buddy Lazarus had died, and he goes to the tomb, and he says something that blows their mind. He says, "Roll away the stone," and they look at Jesus and they say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on, Jesus! He's been dead for four days. It's gonna stink. He's dead, dead. He's gone." And we learn in this moment that nothing is too dead for Jesus. When they roll the stone away and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out of there. And in that moment, Lazarus, who's been dead four days, he comes to life. And he comes stumbling out of the tomb. And he's wrapped like a mummy with grave clothes on. And Jesus says, hold on. Y'all cut him loose from those grave clothes and you set him free. Jesus gave life, but he also gave freedom. Freedom from any evidence of the past. Some of us are living in the grave when there is resurrection life available to us. The crucifixion produces confidence. The resurrection gives us reason to live. And in that life, resurrection demands that we are totally dependent on jesus we must stop counting on our personal performance because that is the very thing that will keep us from experiencing christ the resurrection places all the power all the accomplishment on jesus what is it that would keep you from experiencing the resurrection of jesus this easter let's bow our heads together Maybe today, like Paul, you need to identify not only with the crucifixion of Jesus, but you need to identify with the newness of life that he demonstrated when Jesus walked out of that tomb. Today like Lazarus, you need to cut off the grave clothes and you need to say, I want to be free. I want to experience the power of the resurrection in my life today, right now. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the power that is available to us in Jesus, not because of anything we can do, but all because of him to experience life and life abundant today. God, may each one of us in our hearts and in our lives experience the power of the resurrection, which is the very reason we have to live. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Have a seat. You know, if the if the crucifixion of Jesus gives us confidence, maybe we ought to stop and wonder what kind of confidence are we talking about? For some of us, we hear confidence and we think of Kanye West confidence. No, it's confidence that you know. It's not confidence that you think, it's not confidence in, in what you might know. It is It is confidence I know historically, I know biblically, I know in my heart, Jesus died. Jesus was buried. We know Jesus' body was broken and his blood was spilt. The crucifixion doesn't give us a false confidence. The crucifixion gives us a confidence we take to the bank. We know that we know that we know. What do we know? We know we believe. But he doesn't just stop there. He kind of doubles down on this. And he says, now, if if I'm giving you confidence, I'm going to raise from the dead. And I'm going to give you a reason. I'm going to give you a reason, not just for what you believe, not just what you say you believe. I'm going to give you a reason to live for me, to abide in me, to trust me. I'm going to answer all the whys. So Jesus gave his life, the crucifixion gave us confidence, confidence we can believe in, confidence we can hope in, confidence that tomorrow could be better than today. He picked it up again and said, I am going to raise three days after I have died and I'm going to push the stone away and I'm going to walk out. And that is reason for you to know all the whys there are. You see, the Romans didn't kill Jesus. We did. Our sin. I I think at times we get so caught up in the story of the crucifixion, we, we forget that the reason he died was so that he could raise again. And the reason he rose again was so that more than 500 people saw him or ate with him or talked with him or walked with him. We know that reason. We know the resurrection historically. We know it biblically. We know it in our heart. If the confidence is, I know that I know, then the resurrection is, I can believe and act and live like I know. It doesn't have to be a statement that I just make because this makes me sound better or more spiritual. Or It's not just a Sunday morning thing. I think one of the things that every believer ought to do this week is practice resurrection. What if you woke up every morning this week and thought, you know what, he came back for me. I'm going to practice this celebration. I really don't know why, but somehow some way we picked one Sunday out of 52 and said let's make a big deal about the resurrection today. When the entire faith we live hinges on the fact that Jesus crucified, died, risen, coming again. The gospel is more than he died for you. The gospel is more than he rose from the dead for you. Oh my goodness, after hundreds of people had walked with him and eaten with him and and talked with him and seen him, he left in what we call the ascension where Jesus looked at his disciples and he he gave them the, the task to go do what we do this morning. Go make disciples, baptize them, teach them all about me. Somewhere in all that, we thought it was, let's be hipster churches, and that's what Jesus told us to do. Somewhere in all that, it was like, we need, like, hazers and lights because this is what Jesus told us to do. We need big honking churches because that's surely where Jesus at. And let's face it, you're a selfish parent if you don't take your kid to a big church. Who in the world says that? You see, at the middle of the day. The ascension is, oh my goodness, it's everything. If crucifixion gives me confidence, if the resurrection gives me reason, the ascension gives us ability. I love what Bobby said earlier. Oftentimes, our human performance, our effort to try to do everything, that's the one thing that stands between us and the presence and power of God we still think we're going to fix it. We still think it's on us. Paul, go back to Philippians chapter three and he wrote this beginning in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? I I am in a process here. I didn't say yes to Jesus and become awesome. I didn't say yes to Jesus and all of a sudden I'm the good guy on the block. You ever been with somebody who just gave their life to Christ and then the next day by 11 o'clock they dropped an F-bomb on you? You ever seen it? I've seen it in my office. No not by me but I've seen it in my office. I know what you were thinking. You know why? We are a a people in process. We we are a people in progress. You see, Jesus didn't die to make us perfect. Jesus didn't raise from the dead so he wouldn't have problems and not have flaws. Jesus did all that so that we could live more like him day by day by day. So if you've just totally failed in your walk with Jesus, welcome to the rest of us. I should have a PhD in failure. I am so stinking good at it. I know how to mess life up. I am so good at it. You know why I'm so good at it? Is I, I don't practice resurrection, I practice my own power. I practice believing that I'm the one that can fix it and it's on me and Chuck, you gotta do it and you gotta make that happen. When at the end of the day, Jesus said, I'm giving you a confidence found in my crucifixion. I'm giving you a reason to trust in me and walk with me. I rose from the dead. I beat death for you so you don't have to die. And by the way, Chuck, I've given you all the ability you need in him, not in me. If you're here today and you're a Christian, but you say, Chuck, you know, I don't, I don't live with resurrection power. I, I don't live with the confidence of the crucifixion. I don't live with a reason, like the, like the resurrection means something to me. I, I haven't practiced resurrection since the day I gave my life to Christ. If there's any ability, if there's anything going to happen, it's on me. I've got to make it happen. And I believe the Lord looks at us and says, really now? Paul, the same guy that wrote this, said, I've learned to be content with little or with much. Now, that right, that's a mouthful, isn't it? How, how many of us are content with little? I'm not... I'm the biggest whiner on the planet you know I've also realized I'm not I'm not content with much either so Jesus gives Paul this wonderful picture and Paul finishes that statement I've learned to be content with little or with much because I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me so I guess the question is what what's strengthening you Chuck, I'm exhausted, I'm a new mommy. You need need a little resurrection strength. You you need a little ascension ability. You, You need a little confidence in the crucifixion. Chuck, I lost my job, I don't know what we're gonna do. Isn't it interesting that when things are out of our control and we can't fix them on our own, then we turn to God. But doesn't he always feel like plan D, not even plan B? And all the while, I believe the Lord is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I did this for you. The Baylor football team, I read this week, they have a fascinating office in, in their football program. And, and it's an office for DNA. So, so they, they swab each of their players. They run a full DNA panel on each of their players. And they design the right type of nutritional plan for them and the right type a of, of physical exercise plan for them and then, and then they have the right kind of, of reading and learning plan for them all built on their DNA. All that they might be a better ball player. And it hit me as I was trying to juxtapose the difference between the Baylor football team and crucifixion, resurrection and ascension and it hit me that they're trying to do what we already have. The one who knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb breathed into you your unique DNA and had a plan, not just for your nutrition and not for your health and not just for your learning, but how you might recognize that he's working all things out for good. That he he has a plan for you and he is for you, not against you. That he is with you, not away from you. But he never would leave you he would never desert you we ought to have confidence in that because he is the reason why because in him is all of our ability we don't need a dna test we just need the one that breathed it into us so today maybe you're here and you say chuck i i don't really know if i am a christ follower i don't know for sure if i am a christian how do, you, how do you do it and is there a checkbox somewhere? Or, listen, if you're counting on heaven, and if you're counting for Jesus on a checkbox, you're in trouble. The confidence we have and the, the reason we have and the ability we have is not built on stuff you gotta do. If you've got to do something, then it's not grace. If you have to check a box, it's not mercy. Jesus says, I I love you. I don't care how bad you fail. I don't care how many ways you've messed up. My crucifixion ought to give you confidence that you can call out my name, and I will hear you. The scriptures say that if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be, and there's that church word, saved. Literally what Jesus is saying, if you call on me when you need me, I'll be there. Do you have somebody in your life that when the whole world falls apart, you know when they call, when you call them, they're gonna answer the phone? That when they see your face pop up on picture on photo ID, on your iPhone, and you look at it, and you think, "Oh," or, You see, you call Jesus, and he always answers because he died for you. you. the reason that that we live for Christ, we choose to abide in Him. The reason is, is, that He's already done everything for us. Our ability to fail or succeed is not on us; it is already in Him. Our ability to say, "Okay, Jesus, I, I've got to trust You with this. I, I can't sit there and worry and fret." Are you are you a worry wart like I am? I am awful. I must be awful to live with because I let things just sit and stew and I, I really I just I absolutely let my faith and confidence and reason that I know that I know that I know take like step four in front of yeah but I can't yeah but it won't yeah but they won't will not and Jesus comes along behind me and says Chuck come on buddy I've given you confidence I've given you reason I've given you ability but Stop trying to do it all yourself. Just trust in me. So if you're here today, you're facing a life crisis of some kind. Here's the bad news. You can't make it better alone. Here's the great news. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You see, the confidence in the the crucifixion says, I know it. I know it. Don't you love it when you're in an argument and you know you're right? Don't you love that? How many of you have ever been wrong? How many of you have trumped it? Like, oh, I'd say, I'm sorry, but I've never done anything wrong. When, come on. You love it when you're right, don't you? I mean, you love it when you're right. What if your reason behind it, what if your motivation's right? your knowledge is right, your reason is right, your motivation is right, then, then what do you have? You have the ability in Christ to do all things because it's not on you. You can't come to church enough. You can't go to the right church enough. You can't give enough. You can't go on mission trips enough. You can't rock babies enough. You can't go to class enough. Because, you see, Jesus says that confidence is for all of you. That reason is for all of you. That ability is in all of you if you just say, I surrender all I remember as a kid it seemed like we sang this Hector all the time Jesus paid it all all to him I owe I remember singing that over and over as a kid and you know what my dad started churches all over the place and me and dad would go sing and they would go oh, look at the cute little boy singing you know and all that kind of deal you know and I bet my dad sang that song a thousand times It's this week I remember that sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Because Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Isn't that your heart cry this week? This is not another week. This is His week. This is not just another Monday. This is His Monday. It's not another Tuesday, it's His Tuesday. It's not another Wednesday, it's his Wednesday. And come Thursday, it is the time we stop and we remember Jesus crucified. And then Sunday, a week from now, we celebrate Jesus risen. He is enough, period. Lord, we're grateful. That in you are all things all things new are in you all things good are in you all things that last forever are in you all of our hopes all our plans all our abilities all our confidence all of our reason is all found in you god i pray every family represented here this week would recognize and understand that it is all in you nothing less nothing more it's not found in being baptist or methodist or church of god or assembly of god or lutheran it's found in you it's not just found at this church or gwinnett church or 12 stone or first united or it's found in you it's not whether we sing hymns or whether we sing praise choruses whether we preach loud or whether we preach long It's not whether we preach soft or we preach short or whether we're online or whether we're not. It's all in you. God, break our heart to bring everything we have and just lay it at your feet and say, Lord, I need you. I need your confidence. I need to live that reason. I need your ability. So today I surrender all and I give it to you. God, I pray we'd be found faithful this week singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, as the King enters our life and our homes and our family and our friends, let us be faithful to know that you are enough. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen,
0: amen, and amen thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast for more information and to find out more about our church please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com